Oh Lord, as we come before you tonight for this time of prayer, um, to be with you and to, to rest with you in the midst of these days of hopefully a, a little bit more rest and more um, focus. Uh, tonight, or today, the day after Thanksgiving is, uh, unfortunately in our culture, is a day that's given over to materialism. And that materialism, which overshadows um, today, today being uh, for the stores, Black Friday, which sounds much more ominous than it actually is. It just means it's a day that's not in the red. It's in the black. It's it's um, make a profit today, hopefully, most stores, although I don't know if that's happening this year. But, um, but this Black Friday, um, which is a day in our culture, very sadly, um, which is which is devoted to to materialism, that we have to go out and that we have to buy things and that these things that we buy in preparation for Christmas are going to make us happy. And that even we, we've seen over the last years how uh, this this Black Friday materialism has, uh, it's actually overshadowed Thanksgiving, right? It's the idea is, okay, Thanksgiving's on Thursday. People have Friday off. They're going to do some Christmas shopping while they're traveling. And so, you know, we'll offer them some sales. But then over time, that has transformed and now it becomes about the shopping. <laughs> and even to the point that last year, again, maybe not this year, but last year, um, and maybe this year, the stores are open on Thanksgiving, kind of defeating the whole purpose. And <laughs> that the idea was everything's closed on Thanksgiving and you open on the day after when people have this time. But now it's even encroaching. That okay, well, the doors are gonna open at midnight. Oh, and now we're gonna be open Thanksgiving night. And oh, we'll be open Thanksgiving morning. We'll be open all day Thanksgiving. And these poor people who have to work because um, they work in retail and they have to work on Thanksgiving. Um, but I think that that shows us something very insidious about um, about materialism and material goods. That that it it they they. Um, have this tendency to to test the boundaries and to overstep their bounds and to just push us to more and more and more. So we need to buy more and more things and what we have is never good enough and that we need to um, keep trying to fill ourselves with these material things, this, this materialism, which um, it just continually uh, in and of itself, uh, in, a, in a way... It has this self-perpetuating. We want to keep um, doing it. Look, I, I was with my family yesterday watching TV. And like a commercial came on for a new Keurig, which, um, which it has multiple jets. And so it soaks the grounds better. And I, I said to my father, like, huh, oh, that's interesting. You think, you think that's any good? And in, the, in my mind, I'm thinking like, yeah, I may want that, right? It's a commercial. I may want that. Um, I have a Keurig. It works just fine. We have a Keurig here. It doesn't have a top on it, but it still works just fine, right? It gets me my cup of coffee. I'm caffeinated. I'm fine. But no, I saw this commercial for this new Keurig, and maybe I I want that, and I'll be happier with that new Keurig, and I'll have better coffee than I already have, which is already pretty good. It gets the job done. Um, but this is the problem, then, that people are trying to sell us these things, and this um, this spirit of materialism, is just overwhelming, and it's pervasive in our in our culture. Um, that and you know, so I'm reminded of a of a story, and maybe I've shared it before, but there was a um, 
a man in China who was a Catholic. He was a faithful Catholic and faithful to the church. And uh, I heard this story third or fourth hand from a different preacher. So I'm just stealing it, but whatever. Um, anyway, uh, and he was very faithful and he was captured um, by, the, by the communist government in China and told to um, divulge the names and the locations of the underground priests, the priests who were faithful to the Holy Father and to the church and not part of the state church. It's very complicated over there. Anyway, he was told to divulge the names of these priests, and he, he didn't. And so they tortured him. They physically tortured him for a number of years, held him in prison and physically tortured him for a number of years, to get him to give up the church. And he didn't. He stayed faithful to our Lord. He stayed faithful in not uh, betraying the priests and the sacraments in the Christian community. Physical torture was unable to conquer this man. Eventually, he was released from prison and he and his family escaped to the United States and they, um, they got here safely and started a new life. Well, in this new life, he um, started working and then he was actually able to open his own business. And then he, um, the business was doing well. And so he um, started putting in more hours and then started opening on Sunday afternoon after mass. And then things got busier. And so he started skipping mass and being open on Sunday morning. And, and what actual years of physical torture were unable to break in this man, our materialistic culture did without even trying. And just one more victim, abandoning the faith in order to have this material success. Um, we need to be very aware of this. Um, and we are living in the midst of this um, culture of, of materialism. Uh, some of my friends, guy friends, you know, live, whoever, whoever has the best tools and the most tools wins. Like that's, that's you got to have the coolest new thing. Um, that these, these material goods, that's what we see well in the midst of this. Um, tonight is a great night to reflect upon the virtue of holy poverty. Um, that I, in, in the face of this, this unabashed um, attempt to control us and to make us slaves of material things, that we reflect upon the virtue of, of poverty, holy poverty. Um, Poverty is, is living in imitation of our Lord. We hear in the second letter to the Corinthians, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. That Christ became poor for our sake. That he, he emptied himself, St. Paul tells us in the letter to the Philippians. Those in the form of God just did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself. He became poor. And he embraced a, a real poverty. Um, that the poverty of the, of the incarnation. Here's the God of all of creation. And he's born in, born, and we're going to start Advent in a few days here, born in very poor circumstances and embraces that poverty. And there's no room for him in the inn. Um, and so he's born in a, in a cave, basically, in, in, a, in a stable um, where the animals are kept and laid in a manger where they eat. And it's just um, he embraces uh, real poverty. Um, and he does it for our sake. He does it out of love for us, right? Christian poverty, virtual holy poverty, is always a choice. It's a choice to embrace um, an actual 
um, uh, the spiritual author Thomas Dubay would say like a factual frugality. It's, it is uh, detachment. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, but that there's actually, you know, an actual humbling of ourselves, an actual emptying of ourselves. We actually do with less. The, the, um, the virtue underneath holy poverty, the practice of holy poverty is a virtue in of itself. But the virtue which undergirds it is humility, um, that Christ humbled himself. It's in his humility that he, he lowered himself and that he became poor, that our Lord um, lives a tremendous humility without trying to um, put on airs, without trying to, to puff himself up. And, and isn't that so often what we do with our, with our material goods, that I want more stuff so people can think better of me, right? Anyone who comes to the rectory, they're going to have a Keurig with multiple jets, and so they're going to have the best cup of coffee in their life, and they're going to they're gonna think better of me, right? And it's so foolish. It's just, you know, but with humility, with real humility, and a humility to recognize that, yeah, maybe I'll do without a few of these things, and no one will even notice, but okay. Like, I know who I, humility, I know who I am in the eyes of God. I know the love that God has for me. If I know the love God has for me, I know who I am. I know how I'm beloved um, by him. I know that God's my father. He loves me, cares for me. Okay, <laughs> what do I need stuff for to prove my worth? What do, why, why do I need all this stuff? Um, real humility, it empowers us. It gives us the sure footing that we need to live holy poverty. Um, but our poverty is always a poverty and imitation of our Lord. And that that is what makes poverty holy poverty is that we choose it and we choose it specifically in imitation of Christ. We want our Lord to live more and more in us. And the more that we're just um, overcome with stuff and the more that people, I identify myself with my stuff and not with who I am as a disciple of our Lord. I identify myself with what I have and how I could show it off. And I let that be the, the defining feature. Um, well, no, no. We need to be identified with our Lord. And if the more that we, we lower ourselves, Jesus lived real poverty. Um, that he, um, he didn't have anywhere to lay his head. As they were going along the road, a man said, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That if you want to follow our Lord, like look at how he lived. He lived um, a true, actual poverty. Um, he depended on the Father for everything. And, and that this manifested that he, he had no um, home of his own. You know, Peter's house was sometimes his base when he was in Capernaum. For the most part, he didn't. He didn't have a home. All right. Um, again, Thanksgiving. Many people go home, um, and it's something nice about going home. Um, our Lord didn't have a home. Um, you know, that's real poverty. And there's so many people in our world. When we look at the poor, who you think like, oh, where are you going to go for things? I don't have anywhere to go. I have nowhere to go. I've got nothing. You know. Um, okay, not having a home. Homelessness as a real expression of poverty. And we see that in the world and so many people. Well, that was our Lord. He identified with them. That doesn't mean that we're all supposed to just go start sleeping on the street. Um, but what it means is let's recognize the, the reality of the poverty that our Lord embraced. The poor, He became poor for our sake. 
Um, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, what's interesting is that that section here in the little notations is called the would-be followers of Jesus, right? And many of us, maybe we want to go and follow our Lord and we are getting ready. Uh, but the would-be followers of Jesus who are not willing to really embrace the whole thing. And we, if we reject a type of holy poverty, if we if we reject that and we want to still be filled up with our materialism, then we're, we're going to fall into a very sad category of the would-be followers of Jesus. And so we need to live this virtue of holy poverty. Uh, it needs to be part of our, of our life. It needs to be part of our apostolate. Apostolates are always more fruitful when they're lived in poverty. Um, and so what does the virtue of holy poverty look like in imitation of our Lord? How do we live it? Well, the first point is that poverty, is, holy poverty, is meant to be a... Um, it's meant to begin interiorly with an interior poverty, which is the virtue of detachment. That when we when we live a real detachment from material things, so even though we may have and use things, and we should have an actual, you know, um, frugality, a factual frugality, as Thomas Dubé says, but but interiorly it all flows from humility, but then humility leading to detachment. That I'm detached from the material things that I own. If someone else wants them, good. They can have it. Um, I'm, I'm detached from this. Um, that we live uh, an interior detachment. Um, St. Jose Maria writes, and it's a pretty long quote, um, but when he talks about how to live this detachment and this living of holy poverty. Following the example we see in our Lord, who is our model, I preach that detachment is self-dominion. It is not a noisy or show or beggarliness, nor is it a mask for laziness and neglect. You should... Dress in accordance with the demands of your social standing, your family background, your work, as your companions do, but to please God, eager to present a genuine and attractive image of true Christian living. Do everything with naturalness, without being extravagant. I can assure you that in this matter, it is better to err on the side of excess than to fall short. How do you think our Lord dressed? Have you pictured to yourself the dignity with which he wore his seamless cloak, which had probably been woven for him by Our Lady? Don't you remember how in Simon's house he was grieved because they had not offered water to wash his hands before taking place at the table? No doubt he drew attention to this example of bad manners to underline his teaching that love is shown in little details. But he also wants to make it clear that he stands by the social customs of the time and therefore you and I must make an effort to be detached from the goods and comforts of the world but without doing anything that looks odd or peculiar, right? It's not... Holy poverty isn't being being a weirdo and just um, oh no I'm 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 living poverty so I'm I'm gonna wear um, I'm gonna wear sweatpants all day long I mean some people wear sweatpants because they think it's comfortable but it's no I'm just gonna wear I'm gonna wear sweatpants because I live poverty right no you're living you're living comfort and um, lack of of proper manners and courtesy to to just be wearing sweatpants all day long um, right poverty poverty is not dirt. Um, that that uh, Sam and Mary goes on. We're, poverty is not meant to be to be dirty, right? Dirty poverty. That's not the type of poverty we're called to live. Um, we don't we don't live the this life of oh I'm you know what I haven't showered for three days because because I'm living poverty, right? No, that's ridiculous. Um, you know we got to take care of ourselves. Um, it's not meant to be dirty. As far as I'm concerned, one of the signs that we're aware of being lords of the earth and God's faithful administrators is the care we take of the things we use, keeping them in good condition, 
making them last and getting the best out of them. So they serve their purpose for as long a time as is possible and don't go to waste. In the center of Opus Dei, you'll find the decoration simple, attractive, and above all, clean. Because poverty in a home is not to be confused with bad taste or dirt. Nevertheless, it seems quite natural to me that in keeping with your means and your social and family commitments, you must possess some objects of value, which you take care of with a spirit of mortification and detachment. Right? So, so real poverty is not... Um, is not uh, about having just dirty things, right? No, actually, if you have some things and you have them and they're valuable, you take care of them. You take care of them well. Uh, you take care of them with love. You make them last. Pope Francis talks a lot against the, the throwaway culture that, you know, oh, no, we'll just, or I'm going to use this and then I'll throw it away. Like this iPhone, right? This, this iPhone, um, I'm going to use it. Oh, but if I drop it, and it, I'll get a new one, whatever. Verizon's going to offer me some kind of upgrade. And so... I'll just get a new... No, take care of it. Make it last, right? Um, don't... don't you know, With these things, you got to try to fiddle with when you charge it in-house so the battery lasts longer. And you could be like, no, I'm just going to charge whatever I want because, you know, I'll get a new one when I need one. Well, no, rather, let's make it last. Let's make our things last. Let's take care of them. Uh, same, you know, most people need to drive a car. You take care of your car. You don't just, you know... Um, just try, oh, I'm, I'm poor. I don't get an oil change every... I'm going to live poverty. I'm not going to get my oil changed at three or 5,000 miles. Like, get your oil changed, right? Change it yourself, even better. Um, but uh, learn how... To, some people have families that change their oil for them. That's wonderful. Uh, others have to take it to someone and pay them. Fine, whatever. But get the oil changed, right? Get your tires taken care of. Um, spend a little bit of money now in taking care of the things that we have so we don't have to spend a lot of money just buy a new one, right? Um to live that holy poverty is that the things that we have, we take care of, you know, learn how to get stains out of clothing rather than just, Oh, it got stained. Let me throw it away and do what we can. Um, learn how to be creative with things like that, that this is, um, it's not about, you know, dirt. Um, rather it's about having these things, but taking care of them, taking care of them. Well, really, um, and, and also though being detached that there's things, okay, you know, if something breaks, if someone needs something and I give it away, but okay, uh, we, we have a certain detachment from material things that we can, any anything I have, if, if it gets taken away, okay. You know, um, things that we have to take care of and that are we, we take care of but don't belong to us, well, we have to take good care of those and we, you know, don't go giving away other people's property. <laughs> That's not, you know, oh, uh, my my friend, my friend has a great jacket that'll be wonderful for a clothing drive. So you want you need a jacket? I know a friend who has a great one. No, you either take mine or we'll go get you one. Right? I'm not I'm not at liberty to give away other people's stuff. Um, as well, poverty, holy poverty, is not the example of. It's not about being excessively needy, right? The detachment. Um, and when we live poverty, we live it well, it's not about becoming more of a burden for other people. Um, I, I know some, I, and I know I've used this example before, but I know some people that um, you go out, you take them out to dinner, you go out to dinner with them, and then the bill comes like, well, you know, I live in poverty, so do you mind picking up the bill, right? That's just so against the purpose, right? Real poverty can express itself as well in generosity. I'll, I'll pay for something. It'll be, you know, I don't have that much money, but let me, um, I'll, I'll cover this bill. I can do that. Um, that real, real poverty is, allows us to, to be um, generous in those ways. And that this is, this just goes right in the face of the materialism of our, of our culture. That this allows 
us to really live um, live for our Lord um, and to be detached and to be humble, um, but to really live this this material holy poverty um, and that we should live it with naturalness right when we um, when we live poverty, we can live it with a real naturalness um, and it 's a naturalness that 's actually uh, leads to effectiveness in apostolate so in uh, it's actually a point from the way, uh, the way number three eighty, in a paganized or pagan environment, when my life clashes with its surroundings, won't my naturalness seem artificial? You ask me, and I reply undoubtedly, your life will clash with theirs, and that contrast, faith confirmed by works, is exactly the naturalness I ask of you. Right when we live this holy poverty, we live it with naturalness, um, that we give ourselves over to our Lord, we trust Him. Um, and we don't, we don't live the materialism of our age, um, but that we, we really with, um, with total trust and dependence, um, with naturalness and that when we're not banging down the doors on Black Friday and when we're not just buying the newest things on Amazon and when we're not, um, just throwing away our, our phones and running our cars into the ground, um, but when we're actually living this type of, um, holy poverty, yeah, it'll clash with the materialistic environment around us, but with naturalness, um, that we don't, you know, we don't need to point things out to people. Uh, we don't need to, to show off how we do it. Rather, we just slowly and gently, we live this and we live it well. And that then this, this holy poverty, uh, lends itself and contributes to our apostolic effectiveness. Um, and it does it in two ways. The first is that, um, we have greater freedom for apostolate when we live holy poverty, that when we really live um, true poverty in imitation of our Lord, that our Lord was able to go wherever he wanted, right? Um, and that he's able to, to do that because he, um, he didn't have a place to lay his head. And so he was able to go wherever he needed. And he was able to, to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit and go on his mission. And we see this in many of the saints as well, who similarly are able to, to just go wherever. St. Francis Xavier was given like 24 hours notice before going to India, right? And just up and went for the rest of his life. Um, they, that, that's a type of poverty and detachment that we have this effectiveness in the apostolate when I'm not over-concerned. Um, like me, I, I need to be around electricity every 24 hours to charge my phone. Like that's just it's what I need to do, right? I have... Usually you can find a place to charge your phone. But, you know, if, if I wanted to go somewhere and, you know, whatever, um, oh, I got to have my whole bag. I got my stuff. I've got my special K-cups that I use in the morning. I've got, um, I got to have all my, my right thing. Oh, I got my hypoallergenic pillow. That's coming with me. I got, you know, it ends up I have a trunk full of stuff to go go somewhere for a day. Like how uh, effective am I going to be in my apostle? How willing am I? To move around and to to be to be free for that. So uh, a real holy poverty gives us the mobility and the flexibility in the apostolate that we're not just weighed down by so many things. You know, some priests there's some priests that own property. They have family houses that are left to them or whatever, and a place to go on your day off. But I don't know. I think like if I had a house, like if I had a house house, if I owned my own property, like. I would never be, what do you, I got to take care of, I don't know, I have to take care of a whole church property, I got to take care of a personal property, and I can't, you know, and I got to pay for that personally, right, you know, I got my own lawn tomorrow, how effective can I be in my apostolate if I've always got half a mind 
on taking care of a of a private property, right? Uh, apostolic effectiveness it frees us for mission, um, but then also and in a more supernatural way, when we live holy poverty, we can be effective in the apostolate through lack of dependence on ourselves. Uh, living holy poverty it gives us a a real um, reminder that that ultimately God is the one who makes our plans effective. It's it's by God's grace and His designs that we are made effective. And if I think that our, our apostolate will be more effective because I bought the newest, flashiest things and we got a lot of stuff. Our, our apostolate here is effective because we've got a lot of stuff. We got a brand new courage, right? We got all these, that's what's gonna make the apostolate effective. No, no, no. The Lord, the Lord gives the, great, the, the growth, the increase. The Holy Spirit um, fills us with, with his life. And so we don't, it's not our stuff. If we start thinking that it's our new stuff that, that causes the growth, and then we rely on that stuff rather than on our Lord, then we'll fail. Um, I saw there was a meme that Bishop Umbers put out today about, uh, I don't know, Spock outside a plane and Kermit the Frog inside. I don't know. I can't figure out most of what he posts on the internet. But it was Spock was outside the plane, clearly, and it said, um, saying goodbye to apostolic effectiveness by neglecting interior life, right? And that's if we, if we neglect the interior life and the interior means, then say goodbye, this is not gonna work. If we think that we're gonna be more affected by having more stuff and having more money even. Um, in the church right now, there's, you know, everyone's all talking, people aren't coming to church, people aren't coming to church. And the biggest problem with that is the money, right? No, it's not the biggest problem with that is people aren't coming to church. And they're not worshiping our Lord and they're not receiving the Eucharist. And if we think that the money is the biggest problem, then we have put all of our faith in the wrong things. Um, we need to be willing to live real Christian poverty, holy poverty, um, in imitation of our Lord. So on this, on this day, this Black Friday in our culture, our culture obsessed with materialism, this is a virtue that is very countercultural, that stands out, but can really be lived with naturalness, with joy, um, with finesse. Uh, and it could be lived in a way that's totally apostolically effective uh, in imitation of our Lord. A great model for holy poverty, and we should ask Our Lady um, to give us that. That example, as San Jose Maria said in that point, you know, um, just consider her making, um, you know, making clothing for our Lord. Or when they had to pick up and move to Egypt or all these things, you know, Our, our Lady lived lived herself a total poverty. She gave everything over to the Lord and she's the most effective and fruitful woman in the history of the world. And so we should ask Our Lady to, to give us this love of holy poverty, to train us and teach us um, in, in how to live it and live it well uh, so that we could be more united with her son uh, who became poor for our salvation.